the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get underway on this Thursday. It is the 27th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. It is a pivotal day in the future of this country. It is a pivotal day for the future of the United States government. It's a pivotal day for truth. And that's what we're going to focus on as we get started this morning. Brett Kavanaugh, the judge selected by President Trump to sit on the highest court in the land, will get to face his accuser today for the first time. Kind of. Sort of. While everyone accused in this country has the right to face their accuser in open court, this is not a court, so he doesn't get to see her and confront her directly. He will testify, will Brett Kavanaugh, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, after Christina Blase Ford testifies before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So there will be dueling statements being given today. We know exactly what Christine Blase Ford is going to say. Her remarks of her opening statement have been prepared for, as prepared for delivery, have been made public. She is going to accuse Brett Kavanaugh largely of what we already know that she is going to accuse Brett Kavanaugh of because it was in the letter and it was reported to the Washington Post. She is going to say that he and his friend tried to throw her down on a bed and sexually assault her, covering her mouth to stop her from speaking. Brett Kavanaugh is going to speak and, of course, say something very largely similar to what he said to, um, uh, to uh, Martha McCallum on this story just two nights ago. He's going to deny every single bit of this, saying he has never done anything like what uh, uh, the accuser says that he has done. I'm a good person. I've led a good life. I've tried to do a lot of good for a lot of people. I am not perfect. I know that. None of us is perfect. I'm not perfect. But I've never, never done anything like this. It says here, from my point of view, 
that if Brett Kavanaugh strikes the tone he struck on the story with Martha McCallum, this is not going to go well for him with the rest of the committee that is going to decide his fate, with the full United States Senate that is going to decide his fate as to whether or not he will be seated on the Supreme Court, and most importantly, as to whether or not he will clear what has been, until this round of strange allegations from very strange, all-democratically active women, meaning active in in democratic politics, uh, since all of this came up, he has had a stellar name, a good name, a great, great reputation in Washington, D.C., and beyond. If he strikes the tone that he struck with Martha McCallum, which is quiet, reserved, um, shy, I don't think this is going to go well. Brett Kavanaugh needs to approach this hearing today with the righteous indignation that Clarence Thomas showed in 1991. He needs to stand up, well, not stand up, that would be a breach of decorum in this uh, in the uh, Judiciary Committee meeting or hearing, but he needs to stand up for himself figuratively, and he needs to pound the desk, and he needs to talk about what an outrage it is that he has been dragged before this committee and before the United States to face such scurrilous accusations, to face such lies. Do you remember 1991? Do you remember how Clarence Thomas sounded? Do you remember the anger in his voice? Do you remember the indignation he rightfully felt as he had to face these accusations from Anita Hill of sexual harassment? I remember it very well. And, of course, it's easier to remember when you can listen to it once again. Am I correct in that? That's right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally, uncategorically, that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her, that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way ever harassed her. A second, and I think more important point, I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. This is a case in which this sleaze, this dirt, was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it at prime time over our entire nation. How would any member on this committee, any person in this room, or any person in this country would like sleaze said about him or her in this fashion, or this dirt dredged up in this gossip and these lies displayed in this manner? How would any person like it? The Supreme Court 
is not worth it. No job is worth it. I'm not here for that. I'm here for my name, my family, my life, and my integrity. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching. This is a circus. This is a national disgrace. I am not here for the job any longer. The Supreme Court is not worth it. No job is worth it. I am here to defend my name. I am here to defend my family. I am here to defend my reputation. I am here to defend my integrity. This is no longer about the job. I want the truth told about me. I want these lies about me to cease. That was the tone struck by Clarence Thomas in 1991 as he faced an almost identical set of circumstances to what Judge Brett Kavanaugh is facing today. Almost identical. Every word that he laid out there before that Senate Judiciary Committee in 1991, you could almost lift them and, and apply them today to Brett uh, Kavanaugh. Members of this committee, he said, searched for and dredged up this sleaze and this dirt. They were complicit in this. It's a national disgrace. There's something very, very wrong with our country when this is allowed to happen. Members of the Senate Judiciary Committee for the Democrats have done the same today. They have searched for sleaze. They have searched for accusers. It's why they have dragged this process out. The more days they can wait before Christine Blasey Ford and Judge Kavanaugh have their uh, their testimonies, the more women that they can try to mine from the from the weeds and 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 create more accusers to make it look like, oh, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. Clearly, this man is a habitual, um, uh, you know, repugnant sexual offender. Members of the Democrat Party in the United States Senate and on that Judiciary Committee are complicit in the same way they were with Clarence Thomas. And I would submit to you that if Brett Kavanaugh doesn't show some of that righteous indignation, some of that anger, some of that fury, while still being measured as Clarence Thomas was, I just played for you the audio, but I looked at it as a video, and you could see the fury inside Clarence Thomas's face. You could see it in his eyes, but he, he, he restrained himself. He did not lose his temper. I undoubtedly would have. I've got a short fuse enough as it is. I absolutely would have. He was able to express his outrage at what was being done to him without losing his temper, but you could tell it was hard. His jaw was clenched. 
You could see little veins popping on his forehead as he made that declaration to that Senate Judiciary Committee in 1991. They knew he was serious, and I think any innocent man should be able to convey that same exact message and that exact tone without losing your temper, but this is outrageous. I have gone on the record, and I will restate it today. I believe Brett Kavanaugh. I believe everything we've seen in the last, what has it been now, 10, 11, 12 days since this first allegation was made public by Christine Blase Ford's lawyer by way of Diane Feinstein. I believe each and every one of these women that have come forth are Democrat plants. They have been recruited to allege these uh, falsehoods about uh, Judge Kavanaugh because they told us they would do so. Democrats told us before Kavanaugh was announced they would fight this to the death. They said this is a fight for our lives of swing vote on the court going to a conservative appointed by Donald Trump will not be allowed. They would stop him by any means necessary, no matter the cost. And if the cost is destroying a man's life with false accusations about sexual misconduct, then that's a price they were willing to pay. They said this before Brett Kavanaugh ever became the nominee. They repeated it when his name was presented as the nominee. And they tried their very best to destroy him during 32 hours of confirmation hearings and over 1,300 follow-up written questions, of which he answered every single one. They tried to destroy him and couldn't. So at the 11th hour, three days before his confirmation vote, they come up with this sleaze. Why? Because they told you why. This is a fight for their lives. It is the fight of their lives. Democrats decided they will not surrender the swing Anthony Kennedy vote to a conservative, and they will destroy anything in their path on the way. Christine Blasey Ford, Democrat tool. Deborah Ramirez, Democrat tool. This third accuser, Julie Swetnick, Democrat tool. Pawn, plant. I believe not one single word. And Brett Kavanaugh needs to make that committee, and because this will be televised, he needs to make the American people... Hold off on the music for a moment, please. He, Thank you so much. He needs to make the American people understand. He needs to make everybody watching understand, in the same way that Clarence Thomas did, that this outrageous attack on his personal character will not stand. And he will fight back against it. No more soft-spokenness. No more demure. Look, I feel very badly for me, for Dr. Ford. I'm sure you know maybe something did happen to her, but I just know it wasn't me. No, the time has come to speak with force, to speak with, with personal pride, with the integrity that we know Brad Kavanaugh has. I do not believe one single word from the accusers, and I want Brett Kavanaugh to let everyone know that neither does he.
Now we'll take that time out here. It's 921. Kaylee McEnany, RNC spokesperson, is going to be joining us at about 935. We'll have Kaylee on. Looking forward to that conversation. She will analyze and preview the uh, Kavanaugh and the test, uh, the uh, Christine uh, Blasey Ford testimony. Uh, latest on those stories as well. Two men coming forward today or late last night saying, no, it wasn't Brett Kavanaugh. It was us which is another oddity to this story. I'm not sure I'm going to believe that one any more than I believe Ford. But uh, we're going to get to the bottom of all of this today. 216-901-0945, AM fourteen twenty. The answer back after this. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of Nine twenty six. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I I just really hope in this whole uh, shebang is going to get started at roughly ten o'clock. So when we begin our second hour, so we're going to be monitoring that, or I'll be monitoring that the best I can. Samuel, who's running our show today, will be monitoring that as well. And if uh, uh, there's anything breaking that comes from this when it starts at ten o'clock, we will certainly have it for you. Meantime, of course, we will continue to. Uh, uh, discuss the parameters of the meeting today, the uh, hearing today, the testimony that's given today. There are some. I, I was watching a little bit this morning on uh, on Fox and Friends. Judge Andrew Napolitano is not convinced she's going to show up. I mean, we may be all dressed up with nowhere to go by the time this thing comes down. There are some who believe that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford is not going to show up. However, her opening statement has been prepared for delivery and has been released to the press. I have read it. Uh, this morning, so you know it would be off. It would be awfully odd if she did not show up. But there are some who feel uh, that she may uh, uh, she may skip out on this entire thing. It'll be very interesting to see if she is able to repeat the same story she told to the Washington Post to these senators while under oath, because obviously being under oath uh, carries with it a little bit more weight, uh, because perjury charges are not something to joke about. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham was talking on Fox and Friends this morning once again, and he is repeating his disbelief of the accusers of Brett Kavanaugh. As to Miss Ford, she cannot tell us when it happened, where it happened, and the people there say it didn't happen. I would just ask my colleagues not to abandon this man based on allegations that are 35 years old and have no credibility or no corroboration. No corroboration is key, because I need to share this part of the story with you today. Uh, yesterday, uh, toward the end of the day, I won't say last night, but toward the end of the day, um, Christine Blase Ford decided to, or her attorneys anyway, anyway, decided to uh, strike an early blow in this whole thing, saying, aha, you've said there is no corroboration. We have corroboration. And they have come forth and sent to the committee, they say, sworn statements from four witnesses who can corroborate her story. The problem is, none of them are witnesses. They are her husband and three friends who have all signed sworn affidavits saying that she told them about this. In other words, they're they're sworn affidavits containing nothing but hearsay. That's not corroboration. Saying that, hey, she told me about this, is not corroborating that you saw this or that you have evidence proving that this ever happened. They're calling that corroboration. They are literally rewriting the laws 
and rewriting legal terminology as we go. I put this on Facebook this morning, and I'll share it with you on the radio. In 1988, I was on tour with the Rolling Stones. I was filling in for Keith Richards, who was um, uh, in the rehab at the time. I toured the country playing with Mick. It was a phenomenal time. As evidence of this, I have sworn statements from four friends who swear that I told them I was on that tour. Therefore, in democratic legalese, in liberal legalese, they have corroborated that I was on tour, right? They didn't see me. They, they have no earthly idea that I ever took the stage, but they'll swear that I told them I did. Therefore, I have corroboration, right? Now there is credible evidence that I was on tour with the Stones. Wait a minute. No, there isn't. That's insanity. That's not corroboration. And neither is the husband of, of Christine Blase Ford and three friends saying she once told me that this happened. And I believe her. It's 9.30. We're going to get into this with Kaylee McEnany. She is the uh, spokesperson for the RNC, and she'll join us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.37 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. We are uh, scheduled to chat with Kaylee McEnany uh, with a little more analysis and insight on the Kavanaugh-Ford testimony hearings today before the Senate Judiciary Committee. We'll let you know when that happens. Uh, hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. Uh, j- just listening to more of, of Clarence Thomas um, during the break, just listening again to the, the quiet, well, not quiet, because he, 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 he was forceful, but the dignity that he showed, the pride in his face, the pride in his eyes, uh, and you could tell the, the, the rage that was kind of swelling up within him that he would dare have to sit here and discuss such terribly personal and horrifically sleazy things in such a public setting. It is a stain on the country. It is a stain on the government, Clarence Thomas said, and he's absolutely right. I hope that Brett Kavanaugh is able to summon that exact same type of anger and that exact same type of strong yet respectful uh, indignation, which is what Clarence Thomas showed. It's just very, very important, I think, that he show that side to the American people. What struck me the most, as I said about Thomas in the last segment, is what he said about this not being about the job. He said the Supreme Court is not worth this, What it's being, what's being done to my family, what's being done to my reputation, my character, my integrity, and so on and so forth. No job is worth this, is what he said. This isn't about the job anymore. Clarence Thomas declared, this is about my name. This is about who I am. This is about my family. This is about my personal integrity. And you know what? He's right. I want Brett Kavanaugh to approach that the same way today, saying, look, I don't know whatever happened to Christine Blase Ford. That's not my concern. My concern is that my name is being slandered in all of this. And regardless of how you vote, I want you to know this is wrong. This did not happen. It did not happen to me or with me or on account of me. This must stop. That's what I want to hear uh, uh, today from uh, from Brett Kavanaugh. But again, as I listen to Brett Kavanaugh's tone in his you know previous conversation about this, this wasn't before the committee, so this is in a more perhaps you know a more quiet setting 
uh, talking to uh, Martha McCallum on the story two nights ago, along with his wife, he was a lot more understated, a lot more subdued, perhaps a little bit intimidated by the situation in, in which he finds himself now, simply for agreeing to serve. President Trump asked him to serve. Please, I want you to sit on the Supreme Court. It is a severe, very, very serious undertaking, and he thought I would be serving uh, in such capacity. He probably had no idea. I get, I, any nominee from this point forward will have an idea, by the way, but he had no idea what was going to be done to his private life. And that's why I, I think he's probably a little bit overwhelmed by all of this. But this tone, as respectful as it is, I don't think will be good enough today. I know I'm telling the truth. I know my lifelong record, and I'm not going to let false accusations drive me out of this process. I have faith in God, and I have faith in the fairness of the American people. America is about fairness and hearing from both sides. And I didn't do this or anything resembling this. These are, this is wrong. And again, the sincerity is there. But the indignation, the anger, the outrage is not. And that's what I want to hear from him today. All right. Uh, a couple of other notes on this now, uh, because there have been a lot of developments, of course, over the last uh, 24 hours, really over the last 12 hours. Um, this, is a, this is a bit of a, a shocker and a strange one, and I'm not sure what to make of it. But uh, there are two men who have stepped forward now and declared we think we know what happened to Christine Blasey Ford, and we think we know what um, uh, you know what she's talking about when when two people uh, did something to her. Neither one of them were Brett Kavanaugh. The reason why they say is because they were us. That's right. Two men tell the Senate have told the Senate now that they and not Brett Kavanaugh did commit such an assault against Doctor uh, Christine Blasey Ford back when she was seventeen. I, or 15 rather, I don't know what to make of this, but it doesn't smell any better than something, you know, we, we, we would have seen and have come to see from the Democrats. I don't know what this means, but here's the story from the New York Post. Two men have come forward to claim they were the ones who actually assaulted Christine Blasey Ford during a House party in 1982. Republicans on the committee released a timeline of events late last night, which included details about their interactions with these two men who admitted to the attacks. On Monday, the timeline recounts GOP staff members interviewing a man who uh, believes he, not Judge Kavanaugh, had the encounter with Dr. Ford in 1982. The encounter refers to an episode in which Ford claims that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her in a bedroom uh, at uh, a Maryland house party. They had a follow-up interview with that man, according to the uh, uh, story, uh, and he provided much more detail about the assault. Again, I don't know what the details are because I have not read this uh, specifically from the individuals or, or, or any transcripts or anything of that nature from the uh, individuals in question, um, but this doesn't sound right. Uh, on Wednesday, the committee staff, staff said they spoke with a second man who said that he assaulted Ford in 1982. Whether these men came forward together and admitted to being you know, the co-conspirators uh, or these co um, whatever you want to call them in the attack, uh, or not, is, is unknown at this point in time. Are they both claiming something in order to try to save Brett Kavanaugh separately, or were they actually 
working together in this. Nobody knows. The committee did not release any more details about the men or why they were both coming forward with the claims and whether they did so independently of one another or together as a pair. Uh, okay, I'm told now that... Uh, um, uh, we will talk to uh, Kaylee McEnany at 10.05 this morning, not 9.35, 10.05, rather than uh, 9.35. So apologies, that might have been my mistake on the clock. I'm not really sure. So we'll talk to her coming up then. That means this half hour is open to you at 216-901-0945 or 888 if you would like to get in. So that's one of the breaking stories overnight, or late last night anyway, that, uh, that came up uh, from this. Uh, here is another. The third accuser in this strange little fairy tale uh, world that we're living in right now of Judge Kavanaugh, the one that claims that she was gang raped by a group of boys at a party in which Kavanaugh was present and apparently did not participate in, but was one of the organizers or ringleaders of. Julie Swetnick is her name. Um, her ex-boyfriend has come out with a statement that he wants everybody to know, saying that his ex-girlfriend... Julie Swetnick, the accuser here, is a nut. Not only is she a nut, she's a dangerous nut, so much so that he had to get a restraining order filed against her in Miami uh, when she threatened him and his family. So this, this surreal, macabre you know, story continues to take new turns. Julie Swetnick, uh, and the woman who accused Brett Kavanaugh of attempted, or excuse me, of attending house parties where women, including herself, were gang raped, had a restraining order filed against her in Miami. This is a political, by the way, by her former boyfriend. A Miami-Dade County court docket shows a petition for injunction against Swetnick filed March 1st, 2001, by her former boyfriend, Richard Vanessi, who told Politico yesterday that the two had dated for four years and then broke up. Thirteen days later, the case was dismissed not long after an affidavit of non-ability to advance fees was filed. So in other words, he couldn't pay for the uh, order, so he didn't get it. But according to Vanessa, Swetnick threatened him after they broke up and even after he got married to his current wife and had a child. Quote, right after I broke up with her, she was threatening my family, threatening my wife, and threatening to do harm to my baby. At that time, he said in a telephone interview with Politico, I know all about her. She is not credible at all. No, not at all. The allegation is likely to raise questions among Republican defenders of Kavanaugh about Swetnick's credibility after her attorney, Michael Avenatti, the porn lawyer, uh, and really truly one of the sleaziest human beings, I think, walking the face of planet Earth today. Uh, revealed for the first time. Avenatti said he knew nothing of a restraining order and called the line of inquiry irrelevant. Quote, Complete nonsense. No truth to, to this at all. Her ex-boyfriend fraudulently used her resume to apply for and obtain jobs and was caught by her. Why are you at t- This is the line. This, see, this is the line that underscores, for me, um, the biggest problem with all of this. Quote, why are you all attacking a sexual assault victim? Would that be appropriate in a court of law? End quote. This pre- judgment of somebody who is an accuser as therefore a victim is the problem that Brett Kavanaugh and other men have had to face. This reference to every accuser as a sexual assault victim without even the use of the word alleged because the allegation is not a conviction. And if you dare to question somebody who is an alleged victim you are then called 
heartless, cruel, misogynistic, etc., etc., because you don't, quote, hashtag believe women, hashtag believe survivors. You don't acknowledge them as a sexual assault victim. They are above reproach. They cannot be questioned. They cannot have their motives questioned. They cannot have their memories questioned. They cannot be hit with lines of questioning that might actually contradict what they claim happened. That's the problem here. To me, that is the biggest problem here. And I don't have the answer to it. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I had a knockdown, drag-out Facebook brawl yesterday with an old college friend, uh, a female, who also just happens to be in radio, not talk radio, but in radio, um, uh, uh, in another state. And it was a Facebook conversation, and I joined in, and, and it, was, it was unbelievable. The, the amount of anger and animosity that, that, I won't say all women, but many women and all liberals, men and women have, for anybody who dares to question Dr. Christine Blasey Ford as being anything other than 100% accurate and honest. How dare you question her? How dare you question Deborah Ramirez? The Yale freshman who claims that Brett Kavanaugh exposed himself to her. And now you got Avenatti, the porn lawyer, porn lawyer, porn lawyer. How dare you question Julie Swetnick? She's a sexual assault survivor. How dare you? Wait, wait a minute. Until we question her, we don't know if she was a sexual assault survivor, do we? And that part of the story needs to be told. And we can't tell that. I, as, as we got down to the end of the conversation, the war that I had on Facebook with someone about this, and of course several of their friends, who joined in with similar lines of thinking. Here's, here's my thought, because they said, well, look, if sexual assaults usually happen in private areas, which they do, if sexual assaults usually have no other witnesses, which they don't, and a woman comes forward without physical evidence, such as bruising or something of that nature, well, then, how, then we should never believe the woman, right? And I said, no, I would not say never, but the, there's a reason why the court... Our, our, our courts of law operate the way that they do. We do not convict someone absent evidence. We do not convict someone solely on an allegation. We, ju- we just can't. It's because one person branded a rapist and sentenced to prison while being falsely accused is one too many. We cannot do that. This is not... 17th century Salem. We can't operate in such a way. Our court of law requires evidence, corroboration, or witnesses, or some combination thereof in order to find someone guilty of something. And if we won't throw someone in prison without said evidence, then we cannot deny someone their career, their job, their profession, their life, their reputation without evidence either. What's the answer? I don't know. Do I want women to be believed if they are true survivors of of terrible assaults? Yes. Do I want them to be believed simply because they're women? Thereby putting all men in a very precarious situation where all it takes is an angry ex-girlfriend to make a terrible allegation to destroy a person's life? No. This is not very easy. One has to discern what happened and what did not happen from the actual credibility of the individuals involved. And guess what? Christine Blasey Ford doesn't remember squat. At least not anything that can be corroborated by the people she said who would corroborate it. All right, your call's right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. 
9.55, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer just a few minutes away from this hearing starting on Capitol Hill in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Hearing uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Christine Blasey Ford are both going to be testifying. There is going to be a former uh, federal prosecutor specializing in sex crimes who will be there to ask questions of any uh, members who do not want to ask questions but do want answers. Uh, this is in response to allegations that the all-male Republican uh, judiciary uh, committee uh, makeup is uh, is going to intimidate Dr. Ford. So they found a female to ask questions on their behalf, and uh, that is going to be an interesting part of this thing today as well. Let's go to BJ in North Olmsted. You're on AM 1420. The answer, BJ, go ahead. Thank you, Bob. What's going to arise from this since we all come from the womb, I think mothers of sons are going to start to speak up, and I think this is going to be a major turning point. I think the real battle is going to become are between mothers who feel that this is justified to torment this man and mothers who say they're going to stand up for the rights of their sons. Calling young men future rapists has never happened in this country before, and that's what it's coming down to. And those of us that have daughters always want our daughters protected. But this has reached a point now of social unrest, serious social unrest, so maybe this nonsense that's going on in this hearing today is going to be an awakening that, unfortunately, Americans need to start to readjust their morality and their thinking. I thank you for the time and give some thought, if you could, please. Uh, I completely agree. Thank you, BJ, for the for the phone call. And I completely agree. We do need to uh, adjust our thinking. It is simply... Uh, a travesty uh, that that we have to have this choice. You're right. It's going to come down to mothers who are trying to defend all, all women and their and themselves and daughters versus mothers who say, "I can't let my son be subjected to this. It's not right." Um, and you know that was part of the big knockdown dragon I said I had with a friend who was arguing on behalf of of all women how you have to believe women believe quote unquote survivors. And when I pointed out, wait, we don't know if they're a survivor because we don't know if there was an attack yet. Wait a second. And and the point about this was is what about your sons? And they responded, well, I'll just teach my sons from the very beginning to always get consent. Well, this isn't about not getting consent before uh, having a sexual experience with someone, as Judge Kavanaugh's situation proves. For goodness sakes, you don't even have to be in the same room. You don't even have to be in the same building to be accused. It's not about consent. It's about false accusations being made for various scurrilous reasons. You don't even have to be around and somebody can accuse you. You could be in a, you could be in a, let's say a committed relationship with somebody and even have, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, some semblance of a sexual relationship with someone. And then the relationship breaks up and somebody out of sheer anger and spite over you liking somebody, some other girl, you know, talk about a young man. Um, you know, she could accuse you of raping her at one point. Well, wait a minute. No, it was always consensual and I wasn't even there at the time that this happened. Well, now you've got to prove the negative. Young men are in a very precarious place in this country right now. It's a very dangerous time. Todd in Cleveland. Hi, Todd. Go ahead. Yo, Bob, bear with me on this because I think this is major importance that I haven't heard you spell out to the public just yet. What do you got? Kennedy served honorably. He wants to retire. He He gave the president plenty of notice to get a Supreme Court justice pick. The Supreme Court goes back in session in less than two weeks. They have 
somewhere between 30 and 40 cases to decide on. They need a ninth person in that slot. Not only am I saying that, but I'm saying this. Our public legal procedure is set up in such a way that you have to go through so many rounds just to get the possibility of getting your case decided in the Supreme Court. You do not want to be in front of the Supreme Court and there's eight justices, you get a tie, and then you get sent back after having had to go through all of that. Kavanaugh will be decent. I don't think he will be great. If there's anybody to be angry with, it's to be angry with the people that had this information a long time ago and could have long since presented it in referencing what they think is the truth about Kavanaugh. What we know is the truth is he's a decent justice, and they have to get that slot filled so these decisions can be made. Period. You're exactly right. Time time is of the essence here for that exact reason. They can't sit there with a 4-4 deadlock. Uh, you're exactly right about that. And that's why it's, you know, people say, what's the rush? What's the rush? What's the rush? You know, we can always uh, nominate a new person afterwards. Well, the same thing is going to happen. They're going to keep that seat vacant, the left is, until the Democrats win back the White House and they can make their own appointment for Merrick Garland or anybody else that they want to be the swing voter. So that's exactly what the, this is. And it is too doggone dangerous for the court to be sitting there at four four for the better part of the next two years because you're exactly right it would be it would be a travesty of justice okay let's get out we'll get news now kaylee mcenany joins us next on am 1420 the answer Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 